Welcome to the podcast series from the National Centre for Research Methods at the University of Southampton. In today's podcast, Jerry Nicholas from NatSend Social Research talks about the NCRM-funded GenPop Web Project, a network for methodological innovation looking at the benefits and challenges of using the web in surveys of the general population. The aim is to explore how we should use web to survey the general population in the UK. Although web surveys are now common in polling and market research, there's still some reluctance among academics and policy researchers to fully embrace web surveys because they're concerned that they don't adequately represent the full population and the quality of the data may be affected. Nonetheless, web surveys are seen as a possible solution to the rising data collection costs and shrinking research budgets in academic research as well as policy research. So the aim of this network is to get survey sponsors, but also methodologists and practitioners together to exchange knowledge about web surveys. But we also want to generate some new thinking about the best way of using the web to survey the general population and to also overcome some of the challenges. And we've managed to include in the network various experts in this field from the UK, but also the USA, Canada and various European countries. So what were the things about using web surveys that you wanted to look at particularly in the network? We are focusing on web surveys of the general population, so we're not particularly interested in specific groups because quite often for specific groups it might be possible to access people by web more easily. So we're interested in trying to do web surveys among the general population. And we're focusing on some key issues there, particularly related to coverage of the population and sampling methods. We're also looking at how to get people to go online and take part in surveys. And finally, we're also concerned about specific measurement issues, whether measurement is different on the web compared to other modes and what impact this could have on the data being collected. I suppose to many people, using the web seems a very obvious choice with advances in technology and availability of technology and the sorts of cost savings that you've pointed out. But it's really not quite as straightforward as that, is it? There are challenges. Yes, there are. First of all, about 20% of UK households don't have access to the internet. And we know that these households are more likely to consist of people who are older and people who belong to the most economically deprived groups. And these are the groups that are likely to be of particular interest to academic researchers and policymakers. So we need to find ways to make sure that the views and experiences of these groups are not underrepresented in our final data sets. One method is just to adjust the data afterwards and give respondents who belong to these groups greater weight. But this depends on some very strong assumptions. For example, we need to assume that those older people with access to the internet are similar to those without. And that may not be the case for many survey topics that are of interest to academic researchers and policymakers. Alternatively, we could try and find a different way to include these groups in the survey. For example, we could ask those without internet access to complete a postal questionnaire, or we could carry out telephone or face-to-face interviews with them. Now, of course, these methods are more expensive than web, and respondents may also answer the questions differently than those who complete the questionnaire online. But if the questions are designed to be as similar as possible, then this might not be as bad as excluding these groups altogether. At NatSend, we've done a lot of research on how to design questions that will produce comparable data when using different modes of data collection, such as web, telephone and face-to-face interviews. 
So it might be possible to do that. I understand that in some countries they've actually provided people with internet access in order to tackle this whole issue of reaching those hard-to-reach groups you mentioned who may not have it or in, indeed even have a computer. There's a Knowledge Networks panel in the USA, the LIS panel in the Netherlands, and more recently the LIPS panel in France and the German internet panel. All of these web panels select a random sample of the population and then contact them using postal, telephone and face-to-face methods. Those who are selected are asked to take part in the web panel, and if they don't have internet access, they are provided with broadband and a device. In fact, the Ellipse panel in France has gone even one step further and given all of their panel members a tablet with a survey app and a data plan, even if they have their own internet access. Now, obviously, this is an expensive way to include people who aren't online, and this level of investment can only be justified for panel surveys when the researchers are able to go back to the same panel members again and again to collect the survey data. You mentioned the wide-ranging expertise involved in this network. I wonder if you can talk us through how the network then actually worked, how it functioned, how you brought all that expertise together. There are four members of the core team who are leading the network. There's myself from NatSEN. There's also Peter Lynn from the University of Essex, Lisa Calderwood from the Institute of Education, and Caroline Roberts from the University of Lausanne in Switzerland. We were given a one-year grant from the NCRM under the Call for Networks of Methodological Innovation, and we've been using this funding to host two events last year, both of which included presentations from a large number of international experts in this field. And all of these presentations are available on the GenCop website. We've also organised three sessions on this topic at the Ezra Conference, which was held in Ljubljana last year in July. And web surveys proved to be a very popular topic at the conference. Members of the network have also written blogs and synthesis papers, which can also be found on our website. And we're now working hard on the final report, which is due by the end of February. It will include a research agenda and recommendations for the NCRM on how to facilitate a transition to using web to survey the general population. And finally, we're also very active on Twitter using the hashtag GenPopWeb. Now, the project has just come to an end. So where do things go from here? The NCRM grant has now come to an end, but the network has been integrated within a larger European network. So the network will continue to plate and share knowledge as well as encourage further debate and development of web survey methodology in the international community. You talked about the range of expertise that were brought on board for this this project. Um, I wonder, there must have been a lot of different uh, opinions, different views, different types of research in different areas. I wonder whether you were able to come to any consensus at all on some of the challenges that you've talked about. Yes, we're still in the process of writing up the final report, which will draw out the main conclusions. One of the things that we discovered was that we're very dependent on using the postcode address file in the UK for selecting a random sample of the general population. And because the postcode address file only includes addresses and no additional information, not even how many people at the address. We therefore have to use other modes of contact before we can get them to go online. For this reason, we envisage that for most cross-sectional surveys, but also longitudinal surveys, some other form of contact is going to be needed alongside using the web. So before we can get people to go online, we may have to use other contact methods. And that, of course, is going to have an impact on, on the costs of carrying out web servers. They won't be as cheap as people sometimes envisage they should be. And and also it could have an impact on response rates because contacting people in one mode and then trying to encourage them to go online independently after the interview is left and complete an online questionnaire is a big step and we are losing people along the way. 
The options for using web are graded for panel surveys because email addresses and other contact details can be collected early on during the first contact or the first wave of data collection. And we can then use that information, including email invitations, to increase web response rates at subsequent waves because the respondent is already online when they receive the email and they only have to click on the link to go through the questionnaire. So that's probably a far more promising way of using web to survey the general population, so in a panel design, for example. But we can also collect cross-sectional data in panel surveys. In the, the USA and Europe, there are a number of probability-based web panels which have been set up, and they're good examples of how that can be done. These panels make considerable efforts at the recruitment stage, as well as including offliners by offering them alternative data collection modes or even by providing them with a device and internet access. Now, these are costly investments that are required up front. But if we're going to go back to people again and again to collect more information, we can actually recover these costs if subsequent data collections are carried out by web. Now, such a panel in the UK would be a really great resource to have, and the network has been speaking to the NCRM and the ESRC, encouraging them to look into the feasibility of setting up such a probability-based web panel in the UK. So that's one possibility for the future. Um, the network goes on, the research goes on. I wonder if you could look into a, a crystal ball, whether you might see how the web might work with a general population survey, say, in, in five years' time. It is an exciting time because the web also offers other opportunities that we might not have with more traditional modes. But there are also other challenges because when we're talking about web, we're also talking about mobile now. And that's been a bit of an elephant in the room when we've been talking about using web to survey the general population. We've been trying to tackle the coverage and sampling, etc. But in the meantime, technology continues to develop very quickly. About half of the population now in the UK are accessing the internet on smartphones. So you can imagine that people are increasingly more likely to be expecting to complete their web questionnaires on these mobile devices. So that's a huge challenge for us. It's not just about getting people to go online and complete a questionnaire. We have to start rethinking how we're designing surveys. We can't get away anymore with these very long questionnaires with complex questions if we are wanting people to answer these questions on their smartphones, which are relatively small devices. And they could be completing these questions anywhere, in public places, outside, with lots of distractions. So that's a big challenge, I think, for survey methodologists and practitioners within the next five years. Jerry Nicholas from Natsen was talking to Christine Garrington about the GenPop Web Project. More information is available on the project website at www.natsenweb.co.uk forward slash GenPopWeb. <laughs>